Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the next episode of The Knicks. Uh, good to have you. So excited to be here. So on today's episode, which is uh, another in the format we've been doing with that are sort of covering a retrospective of 2023, talking about what people expect in 2024, we're going to have Ganesh Rangaswamy. Ganesh is an old friend. He is a partner at Quona, where he leads all of their India and Southeast Asia work. And he's also a lifelong leader in um, fintech and venture. Before Quona, he was at Low Capital. Before that, he was at Greylock. I'm also fortunate to uh, say that not only is he a friend, but um, he's somebody I've worked very, very closely with for many, many years. We're really excited to have this conversation. Let's dive right in. Thank you for joining us. Fintech has existed now for a couple of decades. It's had a really big bull run over the last decade, one with a very particular macroeconomic environment and low interest rates. In the last couple of months slash two years, we've seen a really big pullback. Can Fintech thrive, do you think, when the macro hurts and particularly these current macro conditions? That's a great question, Alex. Obviously, the macro has gone through some fundamental changes in recent past. Uh, you know, having said that, even in the couple of decades that fintech has lasted, and we have seen a few cycles, and of course, the scope of fintech today is a lot broader. Whether it's fintech in terms of uh, evolution of classical financial financial services models, or evolution in terms of lot more creative models, where we are seeing lot more fintech evolve in non-financial context, and fintech kind of becoming a lever across uh, various use cases and uh, sectors. So I think it's a great question on what what the what a challenging macro were, would do to fintechs. But given the expansion of models and uh, given the fact that in that that it started rapidly uh, seeping into emerging markets, which of course uh, you know is 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 where Kona's uh, significant focus is. So we believe that a lot more promising runway for fintech is ahead of us, especially because it's early in number of these markets. And some fundamental infrastructural, whether it's digital or financial infrastructure, changes are happening in these markets, which I think set the foundation for, for change. And even in some mature and developed markets, I think tough macro leads to uh, exploration of creative options, and that actually leads to change. So I think there's still promise, a lot of promise ahead of us, but the nature of that will probably significantly change over the next uh, couple of years. Yeah, one of the things that's going to have to come back is later stage capital. Obviously, you know, in the early stage, there's still investors uh, coming to the table, supporting startups. Do you think late stage investors, series Bs, Cs, and beyond are going to return to the market in 24? Yeah, it's a uh, tough question. I think the markets have gotten better even towards end of 23, but it's a tough question. I think 24 will not be an not be an easy year in our view in my view definitely nowhere close close to what we saw for a couple of years before 2023 but certainly quality companies are starting to find enough interest from investors because you know dry powder is there in the market and some of this is just being deployed on a lot more stringent terms or in structured deals but Late stage capital is already returning to the market, but in selective ways, on in more on and typically on more structured terms. And I think it will accelerate in 24, but definitely won't be the same as what we have seen in the last couple of years. 
Let's talk about something else that may or may not come back to 2024, which is in-person. <laughs> Do you think that remote work was a, an aberration um, during the COVID times? Or is this the future of innovation? Yeah, this one probably you know deserves a, lo- a, a much longer answer and debate, to be honest. My honest answer is who knows. But what we are seeing across you know our teams and our portfolio uh, companies is that the answer truly is it depends on the nature of you know one's profession or 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 a specific function or work. I think for certain functions, it probably is really a new way of working and can really enhance the overall output, especially where 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 there is a large group of individual contributors or certain organized functions, so on and so forth. At the same time, for certain kind of uh, you know work themes, where a fair degree of collaboration, creativity, brainstorming is needed, in in my view, it's 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 challenging to continue in remote form because on the back of lot couple last couple of years of remote or significantly remote work, I think we're also seeing some gaps, you know, and fissures in teams which have to actually, you know, which which by design have to be a lot more collaborative and plugged into each other and especially younger team members are not getting the benefit of you know a lot of the water cooler discussions side conversations that help them learn from folks who are a lot more uh, experienced and mature context is sometimes lost formal conversations or zoom calls you know are a lot more i mean a lot lot sometimes a lot less free flowing than than office catch-ups I and mean, this the all of this week our entire our team in Asia is together, and it's a whole different uh, dynamic, you know, compared to when folks are remote. So I think this deserves a longer uh, discussion. But certainly, um, I think it's it's great for certain forms of work, and it's it's truly an innovation. But it probably will will lead to challenges in in in, in certain functions like the ones I'm, I I just described. Ganesh, you oversee Asia for Quona. You you're in Bangalore right now. I think you're now based in Singapore. Can you talk about some of the the local market conditions in the countries that you cover? What has 2020, what's been the story of 23 and what are the threats and opportunities looming in 24? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a fairly broad question, but as you know, given what I do, I'm obviously a glass half full kind of guy. You know, that's what I guess we all are, which is why we do, we, you know, all of us do what we do. Right. So in terms of, you know, in terms of the markets, Mm -hmm. It's a it's it's certainly a mixed bag. I think the 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 challenging bit is you know sometimes the 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 the, the pendulum of entrepreneurship and exploration and, and and evolution of new opportunities and innovation can swing widely. And it goes from extreme euphoria and exuberance to extreme fear in tough times. So I think we saw a little bit of that pen, pendulum swing over the near term. But it's time to settle down now, where I think we are generally seeing more stability in the markets, acceptance of where we are, and also recognition that some of this is positive, where it's really made us sit back and 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 reflect on some business models and some you know some 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 moves, which really weren't healthy, whether for an ecosystem or sector. So overall, I think at the end of '23, we are seeing more cleansing in the system, which always leads to pain. At the same time, you know, if you ask me, we believe that I believe that 24 and 25 will be some of the uh, most uh, promising years for investing in models of future. And having, you know, um, all of us have, I think, seen multiple cycles of crisis. And from that vantage point, 
i would say this is the best opportunity it it reduces noise in the market it drives a much higher degree of focus and and persistence and creates opportunities for folks like us to really get behind a plus entrepreneurs and models of future so uh, frankly i am lot more positive about it and it's probably my bias because of which that's kind of what i'm picking up more in the markets while being you know very cognizant of the fact that there is clearly cleansing of certain types of models that's happening in the market and probably rightfully so in several cases well let's talk about another glass half full type of topic which is regulation <laughs> look across asia there's been a bunch of different initiatives and and obviously there's been some big government level pushes in india for instance with aadhar and uidea and uid and india stack the big drivers have been others um, in different regions Can you talk a little bit about what's going on in the region what is getting you excited what what are some of the headwinds you see coming yeah one uh, one more i think uh, great topic and obviously very much worth um, a, disc- a, a, a much longer discussion uh, on regulation there probably you know three different facets to this in terms of what we see a great positive is that you see tremendous uh, engagement or heightened degree of engagement from regulators whether it's in india malaysia philippines indonesia singapore uh, when we work with number of the regulators exchange ideas with them and we have been thrilled by the openness and their eagerness to learn so that's certainly been a pretty meaningful change over the last few years where regulators have embraced fintech as something that that uh, that, that would drive uh, a significant if that could drive significant systemic change in future that's one the second is that is translating into action and and lot of positive action uh, number of countries in southeast asia have issued uh, digital banking licenses india of course has created multiple layers of banking licenses the insurance regulators in these markets are becoming quite progressive you know in terms of creating digital insurance frameworks of course payment has been a very prolific space of regulation etc but certainly some positive moves there which which is kind of being driven also by digital infrastructure changes which are happening and this kind of go hand in hand and of course dpi digital public infrastructure is a is a is a topic uh, on its own i think the third facet which is the flip side is that you know fintech models are are more nuanced and lots of lot of them are lot more nuanced they could be you know more complex than traditional models in terms of their customer segmentation product market solutioning go to market economics you know bunch of different things um, uh, where do you kind of fall on the regulatory stack etc and i think as the regulators embrace fintech and get excited more and more about it they're also getting up to speed on it and with the regulatory lens they're trying to kind of figure out ways to ensure that it is net net positive for the consumers or the or the market as, as uh, at large and sometimes in that process i think you know some heavy handed changes might happen that hurts the ecosystem but some of this is is natural i guess collateral damage in the process of experimentation and learning and and and, and evolution uh, so net net i really think uh, it's positive for the ecosystem uh, because embracing regulation is the sign of uh, growing up at the same time i guess we will have uh, some of this back and forth so you know before stability some sort of stability uh, emerges so guys we're going to rapid fire a couple of sort of sector trends or technologies in fintech in particular we want to get your thoughts on yeah what happened in 23 and 
uh, what you think will happen in 2024. Let's start with embedded fintech, which mm-hmm. uh, uh, is a term, obviously, that is thrown around a lot now. Um, what's the future? What what is happening in embedded fintech? What does next year look like? Yeah, I think em- embedded fintech is become a lot more is becoming a lot more accepted, and I think 23 some significant strides are made there. I think 2024, we'll see embedded fintech models progress a lot more into a real economy. 23, it was more evident in digital economy use cases. I think we'll see a lot more of that in real economy use cases, things like logistics and supply chain and so on and so forth. What do you think about new banks, hot or not in the next, next year? Yeah, I think I definitely think that we, we want we probably won't hear the nomenclature or something being called Neobank for a lot longer. But the good part is the spirit of it has sustained. And we are seeing ecosystems, including regulators and large banks, etc., wake up to the digital banking opportunity. But it might evolve in some cases in a in an integrated manner, or in some cases with scale up of successful fintech embracing digital banking in a more comprehensive way but unlikely that we'll hear the terminology for a lot longer what about bnpl is what's the what hot or not on bnpl and in particular is it good for customers yeah great question i think bnpl is probably the most misunderstood product in credit it's it it, even in terms of use cases it probably serves very different use cases in west uh, versus in some of the emerging markets especially in you know asia africa middle east a number of the markets where we see how it's being used or who it's providing access to so if integrated holistically from a merchant lender consumer perspective you know, bnpl can be quite powerful the challenge has been how to create sustainable models while creating this multi party network effect so I still think there is very compelling social use case for BNPL in emerging markets, uh, especially where the gap between those who have access and those who don't is, 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 is pretty significant. Very different from what we have seen in the West in terms of the debates we have had on whether it's driving consumerism. So it's a much longer discussion. I know you want pithy answers, uh, but I think there's, a, there's, a, there's definitely a real use case for BNPL in a number of markets. One of the growing segments in fintech has been the rise of ESG and tools to help investors and tools to help corporates and what have you. Do you think the ESG opportunity is real or is it overhyped? Yeah, it's a good question, Alex. I think ESG certainly is going to become and should become integral to the way we think about you know business models in future and probably going to be an important integration into responsible way of operating having said that i think number of the esg models we are seeing today are still probably in nascent stages and i don't know if i would call it overhyped but there's certainly uh, you know deluge of creative things going on esg unclear which which is a feature versus product versus a real real enough need to be a company they're all needs but some will get encapsulated into the way you do things versus the real companies. So it still seems early from the perspective of uh, having a pipeline of quality independent opportunities back in ESG. I feel like we have to talk about crypto because I don't know if there's been a a weirder part of the fintech landscape than cryptocurrencies this year, going from six months ago to today. What's your view? And is crypto really going to be a critical part of fintech in 2024? Yeah, it's a hot and touchy topic. And yeah. we have seen, obviously, several companies shut down, not in, not in graceful ways. And we have seen some 
reverse actions even within our portfolio related to crypto you know i think fundamentally as a currency i think you know we're going to struggle right whether it's the uh, whether it's the private tokens or whether it's stables or whether it's like especially when especially because you are really you know entering the zone full and frontal entering the zone of monetary policy and the central bank that is just fundamentally hard to change and it can have lots of destabilizing factors aside from the fact that number of countries are thinking about cbdc and how to become how to make that really the digital driver there is an immediate efficiency use case for sure i mean the number of situations where cash is used which can be replaced by digital and especially if the currency is backed by the regulator and and i'm actually experimenting with with this both in singapore and and and, and bangalore in terms of what the regulators are trying to roll into the market in a, in a limited manner so i believe it's very hard for private you know coins and uh, to become currencies and, but in terms of so from an asset perspective i still think the market is quite you know way too adventurous and clearly fear has set in lot more than greed having said that we see uh, you know number of interesting opportunities and i am personally excited about number of asset digitization uh, and tokenization opportunities by leveraging the technology itself and it's time to become little more little more real in the last you know in the in the near term i would say than what we had seen in 21 22 especially because lot of speculative crypto use cases were lot more in vogue back then but ever since this space has had a, taken a significant beating i think we're starting to see more real use cases on the back of the tech emerge so my view on it is probably quite different from the expectation of uh, of of crypto really st- uh, establishing itself as future of currency okay one last topic artificial intelligence is this the new platform shift or is this cloud infrastructure or is this a big deal at all in financial services what do you think actually i'm not sure you're qualified to technically comment on this but frankly a number of smarter portfolio companies which deal with complex systems and huge amounts of data i think it's kind of been embedded into the solution for a long time i mean it's it's obviously getting refined over a period of time and that improvement clearly leads to a strong competitive advantage and efficiency for these companies and better economics it takes takes a while for us to get there but in in number of smarter companies we have seen seen this be a driver of positive change for a while in terms of whether it will lead to a fundamental shift you know in the way fintech models models evolve it's probably a bit early to say but i i would bet that we will see some models which are, which are fundamentally going to create new age platforms on back of ai smarts i frankly don't know which ones it would be yet it's one of the spaces where i am uh, personally and as a firm i'm going to deep dive on So Alex asked me in nine months, though it might be too late. Ganesh, that's it. Thank you so much. This was really, really, really good, uh, helpful responses, and we really appreciate you being on the next. Great, thank you.